0: To God, I'm so happy this morning. So, my title this morning is Walking in the Grace of Sonship. That's a good one for discipleship. Walking in the Grace of Sonship. So, we will be exploring this for the next couple of weeks, really. Uh, the aspect of sonship will be talking along those lines so the today's teaching or today's sermon is not going to be conclusive or it is not the alpha and the omega it is just an introduction we will be really going deep into these things amen mm-hmm. and this will also help you in terms of the sonship thing has been abused so we'll be correcting some of these things that have been distorted but we also have to Teach about this. However, today we won't be focusing on you as a son, but we will be focusing on Christ as a son of God and see if we can learn something from Christ. Amen. The Bible, after all, when you read from Hebrews, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So if we are going to learn any subject effectively, it's very important that we look at Jesus Christ. We must look at jesus christ amen and glory to god amen Amen. now those who have been following the previous weeks you'll understand we're talking about peoples we're talking about grace we have never really left that i'm not leaving that it's part of the message but we are bringing a dimension of sonship We are bringing this dimension because we have realized that you will never fully partake in the grace of God unless you are a son. And when we are talking about a son here, by the way, it's gender neutral, okay? Yeah, maybe you must before you saying this guy is a chauvinist, is pushing a patriarchy. No, uh, this one when you say sonship, it's gender neutral, amen. It's the words that has been used in the Bible, so we'll continue with that, amen. But we are including the daughters, amen, and glory to God. Right, so the manifestation of the purpose of God in our generation is tied up in our understanding and appreciation of the grace, of sonship. So we have to understand that there is a grace that comes with being a son. Amen. So therefore, peoples make sense to sons. In other words, if you are not a son, it will never make sense. So you need to be part of the family. You need to be a son there to understand the peoples. or or, or the direction that the family takes. Now we are talking from the perspective of the family of God. So you need to be a son in the family of God to understand the purpose of God. You'll never understand the purpose of God outside the family of God. And that is why it's a waste of time trying to debate and to argue with people who are not in the family of God regarding the things of God, regarding how God does things. It's just a waste of time because some of the things will never make sense to people who are not in the family of God. It will never make sense to people who are not sons. Hallelujah, and glory to God. Amen. So this message is designed for those who are already in the kingdom of God and those who have a desire to get into the kingdom of God. Amen, and glory to God. So peoples make sense to sons. If you're not a son, peoples will never make sense. Hallelujah. So the reason for being will only make sense when you're a son because then daddy can explain to you why you came. Amen. Hallelujah, and why the family exists. In other words, we derive our identity from our father. We derive our identity from our family. So we as believers, we derive our identity in Christ. We derive our identity from the family of God. Hallelujah. So I hope that's uh, making sense to you up to this point. So until we see ourselves as sons, we will never understand our faith. Maybe let me stop it here. The past weeks, I was very conscious that, uh, you know what, people are running out of data and what, what. Sons will never run out of data. They will listen to this message until it's finished. Hallelujah. So I know sons will, will minimize YouTube time on other things and make sure they have data for this message. That's the new me. Hallelujah. So. I know the sons of Believers Bible Church and the sons of the God I worship will never run out of data because they are prudent. They know that they need to be discipled, so they make sure that they have the data. And glory to God. So if this guy is taking too much time, I'm not talking to you. The people I'm talking to, they are patient. And glory to God. So until we see ourselves as sons, we will never understand our faith. You need to be a son to understand the God kind of faith. I've been talking about faith in the previous weeks, uh, whereby I say if your faith is not based on the word of God, it's not based on the purpose of God and the will of God, it's just wishful thinking. And I'm saying exactly that this morning, that until you are a son, you'll never fully understand what is faith. You'll continue on the stream of wishful thinking. And I want the disciples that we are discipling here to understand that we are not wishful people, but we are people who understand purpose, who understand the plans of God, that some things will happen. Whether you like it or not, whether you have faith or not, it is going to happen because it's part of the purpose of God. And you have to see how you can align yourself with the purpose of God. Amen and glory to God. Right, so you'll never even understand grace if you're not a son. You will not even understand what's happening around you. Like now in the season whereby they say is a season of uncertainty. The Lord spoke to me clearly, maybe uh, I'm becoming a real pastor now, like clear, clear, clear. He says, why are you saying uncertainty? Who told you uncertainty? Are you reading my Bible? Are you reading the word I gave you? Because if you have faith, you can't have uncertainty in your life. I've got to repent, and I repent once more again that as a believer who looks unto God, who looks unto Jesus, I don't live in times of uncertainty. It's unbiblical. I, the certainty I have comes from the Bible. Faith gives me the assurance. It gives me certainty. As soon as I use the ways that everybody's using, the wishful thinkers, I'm contradicting scriptures. So you can see what I'm trying to teach here. We need to be disciples because once we ride this wave of trying to please people, we end up saying things that are not biblical but that are exciting and misleading to people. And I'm not going to waste my time misleading people. It's a waste of time. There are better things that I can do with my time, actually. There are exciting things that I can do than to come stand here and mislead people. I think it's high time I preach the truth. And it's high time that anyone who wants to share the word shares the truth. They say it's uncertain times, but the Bible says these are not uncertain times. Because people who have faith always have the certainty. They always have the assurance. We get the certainty and the assurance from the Word of God. Hallelujah and glory to God. Amen. And glory to God. Our Christian faith hinges on the concept of adoption. I need to just start there and I'm going to get to the verse. Hallelujah. So I've gave you a little bit of a background and we are talking about sonship, but you must understand... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we were out of the kingdom of God. We were outside the family of God, right? In other words, we were no longer sons, amen. In fact, when you read the book of Romans, chapter one, two, and three, it says all of us, even if you are a Jew or a Gentile, All of us had sinned. We were basically no longer part of the family of God. And when you read chapter 9, you'll also understand that even those who were being selected by God, talking about the Jewish people, uh, the Israelites, also they rejected this thing of being. So all of us need to be adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah so so what I'm trying to say we have to understand the concept of adoption into the family of God hallelujah So everybody has to be adopted into the family of God. Amen. So we will explore this concept of adoption another day. I'm not going to dwell too much on it today. But as we explore this subject of uh, the grace of sonship in the next uh, couple of weeks, we will come back to the concept of adoption. But for now, understand that, all of us who we were far away from God we were like aliens, but God brought us near by the blood of Jesus Christ. He redeemed us. He saved us. He justified us so that we can become his sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. But at the end of the sermon, I'll show you how you can become a son or how you can become a child of God. Amen. This brings us to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 reads as follows. The Spirit you received did not make you slaves, so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Can you see that? So, the Holy Spirit that we received brought us to adoption to sonship. Amen. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So through this Holy Spirit that we have received, we are now able to call God our deity. Amen. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to John chapter 1 verse 12 quickly. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed in his name. Amen. Amen. So the spirit we receive, the Holy Spirit, makes us sons, okay? But not only that, because of our faith or our belief, we are given the right or the privilege to become sons, okay? So that's where this thing's coming from. But but now if you look carefully there, you'll see to become the sons of God, amen? But most translations... They say children of God. That's the same thing. It means the same. So when you're talking about sonship or the sons of God, you're talking about the children of God. Amen? It sounds more accurate when you talk about sons of God. Amen? So in Scripture, what does the phrase son of God refer to? What do we mean by son of God? What does it refer to? Can I explore that quickly for you this morning? Then we'll finish the message next week. Amen. Right. Son of God refers, number one, refers to Israel when you read scriptures. Amen. We are teaching. I'm not going to rush it. We'll take it up next week. Hallelujah. So, Son of God, the first thing you'll notice when you read scriptures, that Son of God actually refers to Israel. Where do I get this? Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, amen? Mm-hmm. Just write it down. I'm not going to read it. It says, I've called out my son from Egypt, Israel. So God is saying, Israel, my son, I had to call him out of Egypt, right? And I think when you read, uh, uh, is it Exodus chapter 4 there, you'll also get to see or get to understand that God calls Israel, the son of God. It's my son. Hallelujah. Yeah. Are, we, uh, are we together? Yeah. Amen. So, number one, when we are seeing Son of God in scriptures, it could mean Israel. Hallelujah and glory to God. And you must understand that Israel indeed was not born in Egypt, was taken to Egypt, and he had a generation there. And at some point, their cry reached to God, and they had to be delivered out of Egypt to go to the promised land, to the promises of God. And God had to deliver Israel with a mighty hand, amen. And you know, in the desert, Israel had to learn that men shall not live by bread alone, but by everywhere that comes from God. Don't forget that part, amen. Let's go to the second thing what Son of God might refer to. Son of God might refer to a king in a Davidic order. When I say Davidic order, in other words, it is a king, but a king who's part of the lineage of uh, David. Hallelujah. So this will be people like Solomon. Hallelujah. But not only that, as you'll see later in the message, and all the other children in that lineage. Amen. In fact, the Bible says the scepter shall never leave this uh, house of Judah until Shiloh comes. So it's people who are part of that lineage, hallelujah, of Judah where the kings come. Because why? In the uh, Davidic order, the king there will rule with justice, will rule with mercy with care, with peace, with righteousness, the list is endless. Why I'm I'm making those words or saying those words is because a king in the Davidic order is not the one selected by people, but is one selected by God Himself. Remember, King Saul was selected, rather uh, people wanted a king. They they desire to have a king. But with David, it was different. He was handpicked by God, not because he was tall or whatever, but because so somebody who has his heart after the heart of God. In other words, this was going to be somebody who will rule just like God would. Amen. And glory to God. Now, in fact, if you read second Samuel uh, is chapter 7 verse 14 okay 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verse 14 you will understand something interesting uh, when you read that portion of Scripture David there or rather King David had the desire to build a house from God or for God, and God says, no, it's not going to be you. Your hands are full of blood. You were a man of war. You had to do what you had to do as a warrior and as a king. However, your son that comes after you will build me a house, referring to King Solomon, are we together? Again, that's purpose. Hallelujah. He had the desire, he had the faith to build, but the purpose of God never allowed him to be the one Only his son could build uh, the house or the temple. Hallelujah. And God says, this son of yours who's going to ascend to the throne, Solomon, he will be a son to me. So a king can be a son. So when we're talking about sonship here, we're not reducing you to something that's not important. So we are seeing a king here referred to a son of God. But also this scripture talks about the future Messiah, but let's leave that, let us not get ahead of ourselves. So I think you understand. So he says, he's going to be like a son unto me, this Solomon. And then number three, when we are talking about the son of God, it's all, we are also referring to humans. Yeah, humans, me and you, hallelujah. You must look at Luke chapter three, as it verse 38, hallelujah. Um, there you'll understand that uh, when they're doing the genealogy of uh, Jesus Christ, they take it all the way to Adam. And Adam is referred to as the son of God. I'll read the scripture for you in a short while. Uh, so Adam was referred to as the son of God. Hallelujah. And glory to God. So every human being alive today can be referred as a son of God. Amen. Amen. But. I have, I'm going to show you what I mean about the grace of sonship as we continue. So every human being alive can be called a child of God because we were created after the image of God, after the likeness of God, amen, amen. so that we can be like our father, amen. father-like, son, amen. So every son, gender-neutral, does what the father does, yeah. hallelujah. And because we derive our identity from the Father, Amen. Number four, and that's the last one. When we are talking about sons of God, the Bible also it's it's also referring to Christians. Hallelujah! We get that from Romans chapter eight, verse fifteen. We have read that part. So sometimes when you read in the Bible and it says sons of God, what it's doing is referring to Christians. So let's revise this quickly before we get to my point this morning. Number one, when we are talking about sons of God, according to scriptures, we are talking about Israel. Number two, when we are talking about the sons of God, we are talking about a king in the Davidic order, a king that will rule with righteousness. We are referring to such a king. Number three, we are talking about humans. And number four, we are talking about those who are born again, who have become the children of God through adoption by the Spirit of God. Amen. And that's Christians. Amen and glory to God. Now, let's really take it and notch up this message. Number five will be Jesus, but I don't want to call it Jesus. I want to call it looking unto Jesus, the ultimate Son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, the ultimate Son of God. So I've already shown you diff, uh, four different ways uh, in terms of uh, Son of God, but I'm saying that the fifth one of which is the most important one, and that's where we are going to focus in the next coming weeks, is looking unto Jesus, the ultimate Son of God. Write down on your notes, that's number five, number one. So it's (laughs) 5.1. Hallelujah. Is is that correct? Yes. 5.1. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Son of God. In Jesus Christ, the ultimate, the supreme Israel is revealed to us. 5.1. When we look unto Jesus, We begin to see a supreme Israel. We begin to see the true Israel. We begin to see the real deal. Hallelujah and glory to God. Remember the things I said about Israel. If you're not aware, when you read the book of Matthew, you'll begin to understand that Jesus, there was a a bullet over his head. They wanted to kill him. And his parents had to take him to Egypt. I don't know if you remember that. And then he was in Egypt. And there came a time that those who wanted to kill him, Herod and people like that, they were dead already. And then he had to go back to the land of Israel. When you read Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, this one we can read. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it reads as follows. When he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord has said through the prophet. In brackets, Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. So out of Egypt I called my son Israel. There we go. So Jesus Christ is the ultimate Israel. So there, was a, there came a time where God had to call the ultimate Israel out of Egypt. Jesus Christ, our Savior, had to go to Egypt also. And he had to be called out of Egypt. Hallelujah and glory to God. Let's take it and notch up this supreme Israel. The children of Israel, uh, when they were in the desert, they had to learn that you can't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Similarly, Jesus had to live like that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he was tempted by the devil, what did he say when he was told, turn the stones into bread? What did he say? It is written that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father, by every word that comes from God. He is the ultimate Israel. He was tempted just like them, just like the the, the nation of Israel, but he was superior that He did not fall into the temptation. He lived by every word he got from the Father. Hallelujah. Um, I, I hope you are beginning to see where we are going. So Jesus Christ is the supreme Son of God. Hallelujah. So when you read about Israel in the Old Testament, somehow in a shadow form, it's talking about Christ. It's talking about Jesus himself. Hallelujah, and glory to God. And we begin to see Jesus here from the book of Matthew onwards actually fulfilling some of the things that have been written about him. And glory to God. Amen. Amen. And Jesus, yes, was in Egypt without sin. He was taken to Egypt and he had to come back without sin. Hallelujah. But he was was also supposed to be taken out of Egypt. And glory to God. Right, 5.2. Jesus is a supreme king. Yes, sir. I said, uh, when we say son of God, we are also referring to a king in the Davidic order. We quoted 2 Samuel, as a chapter 7, verse 14. Is that the correct one? Yes. Chapter 7, verse 14. And we said, your, uh, your son Solomon will be like a son unto me, David. And when you read Psalm chapter 2 and others, they prophetically talk about Jesus as the Son of God. Amen. Now, when you read Matthew 1 verse 1, verses that you skip thinking that they are a waste of time and nonsense, but I'm here to say to you, they are not. Read such verses. Because this is how it starts Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. Oh. So David's son was going to be a son of God. Now, the Bible here says Jesus, the Messiah, is the son of David. That is why when you read the Bible, Son of David, have mercy on me. So when we are talking about the son of David, we are also talking about the son of God. Therefore, Jesus Christ is the ultimate, is the supreme son of David. Therefore, he is the son of God. Hallelujah. Then he says the son of Abraham. Yeah. We will talk about that. In fact, we are going to teach about that one, the son of Abraham, later on. So I'm not going to go into this one. But the point is Jesus Christ is the ultimate son of David. He is the ultimate king. And therefore, he is the king of kings and glory to God. You'll see how it applies to you. Amen. And glory to God. So you just have to follow slowly with me because you need to understand these things for you to develop faith. A disciple must be full of the Word, must understand these things so that he can have supreme or superior faith. Hallelujah. Not wishful thinking. 5.3. Jesus Christ is the supreme human. Yeah. I'm going to repeat. 5.3. Jesus is the supreme human being, supreme humankind. They are human beings, but Jesus is the ultimate human being, meaning he's the ultimate son of God. Jesus Christ, just like us, was created in the image and the likeness of God. Hallelujah and glory to God. That's Genesis 1 verse 26, isn't it? All people were created in the image and the likeness of God. When you read Hebrews chapter, from chapter 1, it talks about Jesus being the exact replica of who God is. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is why it says, if you have seen me, you have seen God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Hallelujah. Physically, he was saying, if you have seen me, Jesus, those who saw him, you have seen the Father. He was the exact representation of who God is as a human. Where do I get this? Let's go to Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Luke 3, 23. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son so as it was thought of Joseph, the son of Haley. Can you see that? So Jesus Christ was the son of Joseph, okay? And by this time when Joseph, uh, Jesus started the ministry, I think at this point already the father was laid because Jesus here was also referred as a carpenter, but there was a point where he was referred to as the son of the carpenter. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that another day also. Hallelujah, that Jesus, he had to humble himself to a point of a son, even though he was equal with God, In humbled and submitted and under a father called Joseph, even though he was God himself. And he had to take the trait of his father, the carpenter, that later on he was Jesus, the carpenter. Hallelujah. We sing about that and glory to God. So these are the principles we really need to understand. That sometimes you'll never become everything that God has called you to be until you fully understand the principle of sonship. Therefore, let us look unto Jesus and see what we can learn from him about being a son. He was a son of David, even though he was before David. He was a son of Abraham before he, uh, even though he was before Abraham. He was, as we're about to see, he was the son of uh, Adam, but he was before Adam. He was there in the beginning. Hallelujah, and glory to God. So you have to understand this principle. Some of you will understand what is submission, because you don't submit to anyone, you don't submit in the church, you don't submit to your husband etc, or, 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 etc. Et you don't submit anywhere, you are just a loose canon and you are not getting the blessing of sonship. People who are submissive tend to succeed in life, because when you submit, it's not saying you are getting a, a lower and no, no, no. it's just following a scriptural principle. Hallelujah. Jesus had to submit himself. And glory to God. Now, let's read Luke 3.38. We read Luke 3.23, right? And it says Jesus was the son of Joseph, right? And Joseph was somebody's son, and he was somebody's son, and somebody's son, and somebody's son. It goes all the way to verse 38. Let's read verse 38. So there's a lot of people in between there, okay? Uh, Barbrambating, Bo solomon Bom, David. It's a whole list, okay? Uh, uh, you name it. Boaz, they're all there. It's a whole list of people They are there. So I skipped all those things you read on your own time and leisure. Verse 38 says, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I've proved two things on this part. I have proved that uh, when, we saying, uh, when we are saying son of God, we are referring to human beings, we see Adam being a son of God, according to the scripture. Yeah. But when you read the scripture from verse 23, it talks about Jesus. And it tracks Jesus all the way to the son of Adam, whom he is the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah. So, so you have to see the humanity of Christ. You have to see Jesus as a human being. You have to see Jesus as the ultimate human being. If you really want to grow in your faith, look at the faith of Jesus. We have spoken about the faith of many people, but we hardly talk about the faith of Jesus. He was fully human when, when he was on earth. So as part of discipleship, we have to bring you back and let's say, let's look at Jesus, how he will have handled this situation. Let's look at Jesus, how he will have handled this coronavirus. Oh, and we can look at Jesus as a human, because some of you, you think he was this spooky, big person, and he was not. He was fully human. Yes, the Bible says he was the son of Adam, just like me and you. And Adam was a son of God. So he's the ultimate human being. He's an ultimate model of who we can be. If you want to know what you can be, look at Jesus. If you want to know what you are capable of, look at Jesus. And therefore, it's very important to come back to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's ask people to look at Jesus so that they can see for themselves who they can be. And glory to God. Amen. 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 I'm almost done, Basalwane. So I think I've shown you uh, those aspects, whether be it Israel, be it a king, being it a human. And of course, anyone who receives Jesus as a Lord and Savior becomes his son by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And glory to God. So I'm not going to talk about that aspect of being a Christian, because Jesus is the first Christian. He was the anointed one. And they said those who belong to Christ. So we don't have to really labor on that aspect. So now the question should be, as we close this teaching, what must I do to be a son of God? Because it's clearly not what we thought when we started the message. There's a dimension here. You can be a general child of God. Or you can become like Jesus, the ultimate. Remember, when you read uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 from verse 14 going further down, you'll begin to understand there that we are joined as with Christ. He's our brother. So he's a son. We are sons. We can learn from the big big brother. And where we struggle, the big brother can fight for us. He can fight our battle, our Jesus Christ. So we, we, we can learn a lot from this. Don't say, what is he trying to teach us? So there is a son in that order, yeah, Israel, in the order of, of, uh, uh, the, of being a king in the Davidic order. We can be, remember, we are kings and priests after all. So this thing is so relevant to all of us today. Amen. So what must I do to be a son of God? Not general, but... A son just like Jesus was. Very easy. John 1 verse 12. Number one, receive him. You must receive Jesus. You you see, we can't dodge this one. You have to consciously receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the starting point. We can't disciple people without asking them to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have to hand over everything that belongs to you and accept everything that he gives you. Hallelujah. And by the way, some of you, you are not willing to lay down anything at the foot of the cross because you think it will be lost. Jesus wants you to give him your life only to give it back to you. It's just, yeah, you must look at the story when Abraham had to sacrifice He was ready to give up the son, and the son was given back. That's how he operates, but he wants you to do it first. Then he will give it back to you. So we give our lives to Jesus so that he can give us back our lives, but in a better format, in a better manner, so that we can be like him. But our lives must go through him in order for our lives to be like his. So we must receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. John 1, 12, but as many received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. So as many people as receive him, they are given the power to become the sons of God. So let us not run away. Let us receive him as our Lord and Savior. I know some people, you are being in church and you think you have been born again, but sometimes you are not sure of your salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. It starts there. And after you have received him, you go to Romans 8, verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is very simple. You receive him, then after that, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. So be led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you become a son of God. You have to be led by the Spirit to become a son of God. Hallelujah. That will help you to minimize your trips to Israel, by the way. And glory to God. Amen. When you realize the true Israel lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. I have nothing against Israel. It's a wonderful country. I have no interest going there because Jesus Christ lives in me. I am led by the true Israel in me. So when I'm walking through the wilderness, I will understand the purpose of God through the word. During tough time, I will feed myself the word of God because I get it from the true Israel. Hallelujah and glory to God. Amen. And I didn't say don't go there. Go there if you like traveling. I have my favorite countries. I'll go to those. Amen. You go to Israel. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. Hallelujah. But just don't offend some of us. We have already baptized you. So I must not see you being baptized again in the Jordan as if the one we did on the pool was not good enough. Hallelujah. You know, people, the things they believe. Hallelujah. And glory to God. Amen. Amen, baptism is baptism, doesn't matter which river it was, hallelujah. Yes, just swim when you get there, amen, glory to God. We can't finish a sermon without that, can we? Hallelujah, I have to say something along those lines, amen. And then uh, you have to act in a manner that displays the characteristics of God, if you're going to be a son of God. In the book of Matthew, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So when you act like God would in any given moment, you are called a son of God. We should be people who are spreading peace, not division, not wars. Believers, Christians, we should be people of peace, like Christ was, like our God is. He's a God of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And now if you're going to be a child of God, you're going to be a disciple, let peace be one important thing in your life. Hallelujah. I know you want me to say the peace of God will guard your heart. I like that, but I'm saying we must also spread peace. Hallelujah. When they hate you, let us love them because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God, according to the book of Romans. Let us display these godly attributes. As we do that, we become the sons of God. I know you are saying, but our financial struggles, I don't have to talk about those. I have to talk about these things because when you do these things, they will get you out of financial mess. They will get you out of sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Because if you are a peacemaker, if you are a lover, if you are faithful, if you you have all the attributes of God, you will most certainly succeed financially because a son of God can be poor. A son of God can be sick. But we must take it from the foundation and come with it properly. Because now suddenly you you have received him. Now you are led by the Spirit. You are are displaying the attributes of God. Guess what? You are a son of God. Prosperity is yours for the taking. Healing is yours for the taking. But no, you don't want that. You want us to speak a word, but you don't live in the word. Maybe I must repeat that. Because I think that's a big news call. You want us to speak the word over your life, but you don't want to live according to the word of God. You want to come to our churches and in our space, and you want us to amend sermons to suit your situation and your lifestyle. We will never do that, not for Pastor A. You, you will live according to the word of God if you want to be a son, and you will take every verse as is. Not to suit your situation and circumstance. and glory to God. And by the way, if you are not aware, God will bless you, and as He blesses you, blesses, uh, blessing you, there are suffering that comes with that. Yes. We don't want to talk about that. We are amending scriptures. People must understand. Times like this will be here. And we will be part of them, but the way we respond is different because we live according to the word of God. We know whose we are. We belong to God. We are the sons of God. Hallelujah. And therefore, walk as a joint heir as Christ Jesus. I think it's verse 17 in Romans, chapter 8. Walk as a joint heir. So whatever is out there, it's yours. But you can't run to that aspect. You must first start by receiving him, walking in the spirit, begin to display the attributes of the Holy Spirit, uh, of God in your life. As you do that, you begin to walk as a joint heir. Now you are able to say, those 1,000 cattle in the hill, or is it 10,000, they are yours also. You are able to say, yes, in my environment, they say we don't have land. But you say, my Bible, the scripture that I read, it says where the soles of my feet shall trample upon that land that God has given me to possess. So you can possess every area you walk into. You can receive that in Jesus' mighty name as a son. If you're not a son, you will quote those scriptures and quote them, nothing will happen. But when you are a son of God, when you quote the scriptures, they'll begin to manifest and glory to God. Hallelujah. They will fall by over by your left and right hand side, but you'll never come near you as a son of God. There is not a single record in scripture. I still, I'm still looking for it where it says Jesus Christ was sick. I don't see a record, and I'm just saying as a child of God, I want to be a son of God, to come to a level, to be like my big brother, to be like my father, and never have sickness and disease in me, and glory to God. But I know for me to become that, I have to take the route that is less traveled. I have to say, I will follow what the scripture says until I become a son. I can't be a son of God, and have. have sickness and disease in my body. That's not possible. Jesus. The fact that these things are there, it means we have never really taken the word of God seriously. Jesus. And glory to God. Jesus was never broke. A son of God, I think, I believe, should not be broke. We can make the list now. We can make the list. I said, let's look unto Jesus. He's the ultimate Israel. He's the ultimate king. He's the ultimate human being. So everything that we can be, we can look unto Jesus. Because if I make you look unto Abraham, we might begin to see faults. If I make you to look unto David, we'll begin to see some faults. Uh, I can quote the people from scriptures and even us, we'll begin to see some flaws. But let's rather look at the ultimate Abraham. Let us see what the faith of Jesus can do for us. Let us see from himself what we can be. In other words, a life of better promises awaits you when you become a son. First and foremost, you must become a son of God. And once you are a son of God, it will be very easy to be a son of the house. And it will be very easy to be a son in your home. It will be very easy to submit, but as long as I'm not yet a son of God. now forget it. In fact, me as a pastor, if I'm not yet a son of God, I will never be effective in ministry. Yeah. I must be fully submitted to God. And when I'm fully submitted to God, I will be effective. And when I'm effective, there will be those who say, we don't mind submitting because we are seeing the ways of God from him. So all of us must submit at the end of the day, and become the sons of God, and glory to God. So there is grace, we can stand up as we close the message. There is a grace of sonship. Jesus says, listen to this in closing, okay. He says, the words I speak are the ones I heard my father say. He says, the things I do are the things I saw my father do. That's a son. We should be saying what God is saying in this generation. The Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Prophesying is talking what God is saying. We should not be looking for prophets. We should be the ones speaking what the Father is saying. We should be seeing what God is seeing and doing what God will do in times like this. You who, who likes pressing panic buttons, it's clear that you're not looking unto the Father. And sometimes you don't know how to look unto the Father because even the examples that God has given you, you never look at them because you know nothing about sonship. And that is why you continue to struggle. And ca- let me tell you, your struggle will continue until you learn these principles of sonship. Hallelujah. By the way, the church is not a McDonald's drive through where you come and just make an order you pass by. No, no, no. It's a drive-in and you get adopted, and you become a son, and then you learn the principles of the house, or the principles of the family, you begin to understand the heart of the Father, and you begin to do what the Father does. You begin to say what the Father does. But we do the opposite, but we want the blessing and the grace of God upon our lives. Let me tell you, I read a scripture in the book of John. It says, from grace to grace. And I go like, Jesus, what do you mean about this? What do you mean there's grace? He says, you can move from one dimension of grace to another. When you become a son, you move to another dimension of grace. And today I'm saying, let us be sons of God. Let's, Let's pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just want to thank you that you'll continue to reveal to us that we can become true sons of God, just like Jesus was. So that we can be true reflection of your glory you know in.